Sky Sports Radio combined with Harness Racing New South Wales brings you On The Pace for your daily dose of news and tips. Welcome to On The Pace on a Monday morning. It's Michael Gear and joining you for the next half an hour or so. I trust you've had a good start to your week and that the TRB account is full for the second week of the championships coming out of Renwick on Saturday. Still plenty of harness racing going on around the state and around Australia. We'll talk about sales today, but also try and find your winner. That's the most important part of the day. And a young man driving plenty of winners is Josh Gallagher. Josh joins us this morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good to start, mate. Mate, uh, I'm well, mate. You're, you're absolutely flying. You're second on the New South Wales Premiership for concession drivers behind Cameron Hart, and you're the eighth leading driver in the state, even though you're only just starting your career, Josh. You must be very satisfied with how things are going. Yeah, I've had a pretty good start to my career. Um, Robert Terry, they got me off the flight. Um, and got my name out there into the sport, and... Um, Mate, just talking about your driving career, obviously you worked for for Kerry Ann and and Robbie Morris. Is Robbie sort of the guy who gives you the most advice? Is he your go-to man for driving instructions and mentoring? Uh, Yeah, he's always uh, one of the first ones to say where I've done what I've done wrong and uh, I look up to him a lot. Uh, He's been in every way just about. Race two at Newcastle today. You head to the Newcastle afternoon meeting. First race there goes at 1pm. You're up against one of your bosses. You're driving uh, number one, Advanced Warfare in race two, up against Jenna Saquad, driven by Robbie. You're the second favourite. He's the favourite. Do you think you can hold him out at the start and maybe get an early win on Advanced Warfare? Josh, race five on the card goes at 3.25. You drive Dream the Dream for Kevin Pizzuto. Um, Strawn in the middle of the line there. She's quite a nice filly. She's won a couple of times here at Newcastle before, but she's fresh up today. Have you driven her at the workouts or the trials to get any indication of how fit she is? Uh, I haven't driven her since uh, she had a bit of letter. Uh, she might just need the run, but uh, Major Obama needs those barrier again, so you fear pretty well with the barriers today. Can she use it? Uh, yeah, she does have good gate speed. Um, she does like lean, so we'll be coming out hard and uh, yeah, hopefully just, uh, go all the way in that one. Well, mate, there's a couple of close favourites in the market for you drawn outside. 
what chance do you give yourself of holding a couple of the locals from some of the better stables? The Roy Root stable with Prodigal Guinness and Mark Callaghan stable with Rumours Hurt. Uh, yeah, they're, they're good trainers, but they um, about his drives at Newcastle today. Josh, race seven at 4.40. You're on a pretty good mare. I don't mind held to ransom. She's got the inside barrier. Your concession claim that's obviously helps, as does the fact she's a female in a race against plenty of boys. Uh, lots to like about her. Hasn't raced for a while. You obviously work with her. How forward is held to ransom for this afternoon? Uh, yeah, she's pretty fit. She's, um, we have going to back in, but pretty well because it's trained by the boss. today at Newcastle. He's a young man doing a really good job. Um, works for Kerry Ann Morris and Robbie Morris. And he's been well-schooled, and he's now become one of the drivers who, at some of these smaller meetings, is getting a good book of drives, as he has today at Newcastle. And he's got a few chances at Menangle tomorrow where he regularly gets a few... Affordable racehorse ownership rising to your cult by Smart Missile from Galileo's Choice. Trainer Joe Pride at Warwick Farm. 5% 2400, 200 a month covers costs. Call Shelley Hancocks 0352749171 or see website hancocks.com.au AFSL Form Guide. Brought to you by Tabs Treble. First leg quaddy fail, it's treble time. 
TNC Supply. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help. 1-800-858-858. The new Pazload Frame Master is still the lightest tool in its class. Now with quicker, easier nail loading, longer fan cycle for improved performance and slip-proof grip for greater comfort. I'm making it with Pazload. Reliability, comfort, performance. You're listening to On The Pace on a Monday morning on Sky Sport Radio. I trust your week has started well. A lady in harness racing whose week had a bit of an adrenaline rush yesterday is Jean Peace. She joins us now. And Jean, you were out shopping at the yearling sales yesterday in Melbourne and you were shopping at the top end. You paid $180,000. What does it feel like to pay that sort of money for a horse in the ring? Um... It's a bit daunting, I suppose, but that's, uh, I thought I was must have been back at the uh, New Zealand sales when he was getting up near that mark. Well, it is pretty rare for the Australian horses to go for that sort of money. This is the new Nutrien sale at Oakfield right. Junction out there. So just talk to us, Jean, before we talk about the, the, the cult you bought. Um, how was the vibe and the feel at that sale for this new sales company who's come on board to to give vendors in Australia a few different options on how to sell their horses? I think it was very positive. Um, I think the vendors um, would have been happy. It was uh, it was well run, and, um, yeah, I think it would have been a very positive vibe, and I think everybody would have been fairly happy with the results. Now, Jean, you've been a massive buyer of yearlings around Australasia, but predominantly in New Zealand in the last five years. Yesterday, yeah, out of the okay. south, you pay 180000 for a better's delight out of our golden goddess. Why yep. did you go shopping yesterday? Um, I like the horse. Um, he, it, well, first of all, we start off with his pedigree. Um, and, uh, of course, he's, he's extremely well-bred. And um, then, then when I had a look at the horse, he was a lovely, a lovely individual as well. So I, I expected him to go. I thought I knew he'd go over a hundred, and I thought, oh, maybe somewhere between that and a hundred and fifty. But obviously, somebody else was as keen on him as I was. You've had a remarkable um, strike rate buying horses at yearling sales. Like everybody, you've had some that haven't worked out. You've bought so many outstanding horses, Gene. For people listening to this. What do you look for the most when you look at a standard bred yearling? Is it page? Is it confirmation? Is it just the old physical package of the horse? Where do you start and what's most important? I start with the page, which I think that's extremely important. And then then you go and look at the horse and you've really... Um, I, I always sort of think it's first impressions. Either you like the horse or you don't. And if you like him, then you start to look and see oh, whether he's got good confirmation and does he works good, work, walks well, and all that. Um, it, it's just a combination of both, I think. Um, and then it's just how you sort of see the horse in your own mind. You know, others might like him, some do, some don't. It's just how you like the horse yourself. Do you have favoured breeds you keep going back to? Gene, obviously, Better's Delight has been a wonderful sire for you, but you've also had enormous success with the, the sons of Art Major. Do you find yeah. on the dam side you'll keep going back to similar families? Because you do seem to have a diversity of families. You seem to buy from lots of different lines. That's right. I think, like, you know, Better's Delight, that, that they're, they're hard to go past them, but there's other stallions as well. So I think, again, you look at the pedigree there, Um 
and um, have a, you'll like the the page, and then okay, and then if the stallion's um, one that you fancy, well then you go with that. It doesn't necessarily have to be a better delight. Okay, Jean, let's talk about something which a lot of people don't think about enough. I believe heading to the sales. You bought this horse, and it is going to return to New Zealand. We'll get to that in a second. But one of the things you liked about buying him was he was paid up for by the breeders and the vendors for the New Zealand sired stakes. Therefore, he can race for bigger money in another series. Do you think that's an important indicator for vendors and breeders to pay up for as many series as possible to make these horses more attractive to potential buyers? Well, I, I think so because it gives them more options. And if they're only paid up for for one particular thing um, and you've got a horse that's good enough to compete in that, well, come that particular time, um, he may not be ready or the horse may not be ready or it's had a little setback or something. And then that's the end of that. Whereas if you've got a few, um, if it's staked for a variety of things that go throughout the year, if you miss one particular thing, then you'll probably be right for the next one that comes along. And I think it's extremely important that horses be staked for everything that they're eligible for. That's what I look for anyway. Okay, so this horse purchased in Melbourne, gets on a plane, leaves this week, goes to New Zealand. Now, you have been very vocal uh, in your support of young Hayden Cullen. For those who aren't following the story, Hayden Cullen has taken over from uh, Mark Purden and Natalie Rasmussen, when they have gone on a training sabbatical. Your faith in him has been proven correct. He's training a lot of winners. He's doing the right thing by your horses. Were you surprised by this move by Mark and Natalie? And and more so, did you have second thoughts about supporting a trainer like Hayden, who a lot of people didn't know much about? Um, I wasn't surprised with Mark and Natalie, um, given how dedicated they are, how hard-working they are, I mean, they needed a break, and I, I really could appreciate that, and I could see where they're coming from, and, you know, I hope they're really enjoying it. Um, and Hayden, I wasn't surprised, um, and I think he's doing a good job. I had no second thoughts at all when Mark rang me to tell me what was happening and Hayden was going to be there. I said, yeah, look, that's fine. Um, you know, our horses will stay there, and it was as simple as that. Now, one of the horses you do have there, Gene, is self-assured. He's almost certainly the best pacer in New Zealand. You also have Amazing Dream, who you've since sold. Let's talk about self-assured. He had a really interesting rivalry with Lock and Varart, and then COVID has meant he hasn't been able to get to Australia. When do you see self-assured coming back to Australia and... Would you be interested in bringing him to the New South Wales into Dominions in November, December this year? Um, well, he he's going for a spell, which will will really be the makings of him. I think it's possible he would come over to Australia, uh, more possible than perhaps you know that's what it would have been. Um, the Inter Dominion, I guess. Yes, the only problem I have with the Inter Dominion, which would have been the same this year if he was going to come is I know that they like to share them around the club but I think you've got three races in a week or whatever and travelling from one race meeting to the next race meeting in Sydney traffic which is horrendous um, the heat 
it's just like it's something I'd have to discuss with Hayden if, if he felt, you know, that he was coming over. But that's my only – I know they did that here in Melbourne, but they weren't travelling quite as far to get to the other tracks, whereas I think they were sort of looking even at Bathurst and, and places like that and, and travelling these horses around, um, you know, and um, getting them to race at the same time. Um, I think it's very hard on the horse. So I, I don't know. Jean, being an owner of so many horses trained in New Zealand, but living in Australia, now that the bubble, the trans-Tasman bubble is about to open up, does that make you enjoy it more? Do you start getting on planes and going to not just Cup Week in Christchurch, of course, but Ashburton Flying Stakes and all those sort of things? Is that how you see 2021 panning out for you? And, and, And that being the case... If Selfishaw didn't come to an inter-dominion, what does he do? Does he get targeted for a, a Hunter Cup in a Miracle Mile? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that If he comes to Australia, it would be those sort of races he would be targeting. And um, now that the bubble's going to open up, I've already booked... <laughs> I'll be in Auckland on the 23rd of this month for the uh, the races over there for... Um, I've got a filly. I think it's the Caduceus that night. So, um as soon as they said it was going to be, um, you know, the bubble had uh, opened up on the 19th, I thought, right, I'll be there on the 23rd. So I was straight on the um, computer booking my plane. Jean, you owned Amazing Dream. You recently sold her to two North American owners for what I presume was pretty decent money. Now, yep. I've known you for a while, and I imagine you don't need that money to sustain a better lifestyle. You and Bill seem to have invested wisely in your lives, it must have been a difficult decision to sell her. Talk to people who have never had a good horse and explain to us why you would sell a mare rather than keep and breed from her. Well, we don't breed, so she would have been eventually sold as a brood mare. Um, and when when the offer came, she wasn't, she wasn't on the market and the offer just came. And it was a, a, quite a substantial offer, which made it very attractive. Um, but which we accepted, but we also, it was a very sad um, decision to make, a very, very sad decision, um, but we decided to do that. And um, obviously we can still see her racing and we were cheering her on the other night and um, I'll be there and when she races um, in that couple of weeks at Auckland, I'll be cheering her on then. But while it was perhaps because of the money, an easy decision to make, but a very sad one because she's such a, a great little racehorse, and um, she's given us so many thrills. Jean, how many horses, because you race almost all of them by yourself, you're not a big person for partnerships, how many horses do you actually own? Um, oh, look, we'd have 15, 16, probably more now with the yearlings, but I've got to say that Bill was at the sales yesterday and he's seen the colt and he's put his hand up for half share. He said, I want in, so <laughs> he'll be racing um, in this colt. So he's quite thrilled about that. Jean, you've won a stack of big races. You've won almost every big race people can think of, or most of us can think of. What's the one race in harness racing you want? What's the race you haven't won? And this season alone, you've won a New Zealand Cup and an Auckland Cup, so you're shopping at the top end of the market. What do you want? Um... I don't know. In New Zealand, a race I've actually would love to win in Australia 
is the chariots of fire. And um, at one stage, Amazing Dream was going to come over for that, but then that sort of didn't happen. That's one I'd like to win in Australia. Um, I guess New Zealand too. Um, I don't know. The cup, the cups that we've won have just been absolutely amazing. And the jewels, I really love the jewels. Um, that their races, I love to win too. The jewels. Jean, it's a fascinating strike what you've had with these horses. Obviously, at the moment, you've you've owned Amazing Dream. You do own Self Assured. You've got so many other good horses. It's a wonderful investment. Um, congratulations on all the success you've had. And, and from everybody in the industry, thanks for the money you put into the game, including $180,000 yesterday for the sales topper out there at the Nutrient Sale. Ah, good. Thanks, Mick. That's Jean Feast, based in Victoria, with so many horses based in New Zealand, but she's had that many horses racing at Menangle. And as you heard, if she can win any race in Australia, she hasn't won. She wants to win the Chariots of Fire. So maybe we'll see her turn up at Menangle coming up next February, that will be, if the season stays in the same sort of order. Moving on now to Ricky Elchin. Ricky's one of the, the best in the business here in New South Wales. Um, before we talk about horses and racing today, Rick, did you go shopping in Melbourne yesterday? How are you, Mick? Um, yeah, oh, I'm well, boy. I was down there for the weekend, and yeah, it was quite a good sale, and yeah, we managed to secure a few horses. Mate, the average was $31,000, so it hasn't changed anybody's life too much. Was there any difference from, say, the APG sales? Was it largely the same sort of stuff? Oh, look, it was probably it was a different concept with the sale being run um, on a Saturday night in, into a Sunday sale. Um, you know, I think our industry is not very prone to change, um, so to speak, but I, I actually felt it worked quite well. It was a slow start to the sale on the Saturday night, um, but there was also Mildura Cup and Menangle were racing as well. There was a different vibe on Sunday. The sale kicked off and it actually went quite well. Do you think maybe that's something they need to look at? It's it's incredibly hard to sell horses when there's metropolitan racing on at the same time. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you can't be in two places at once is the biggest thing. And, you know, some of some of the, the bigger trainers and the leading trainers and owners had horses, you know, at Mildura and, of course, at Menangle and Albion Park on Saturday night. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, the Nutrient guys, Mark Barton and his team, um, they're very approachable and, and they're willing to... Um, you know, to to listen to the vendors and the buyers, and I'm sure they'll try to improve it. And you know, APG, it's a great sale too. I sold horses through APG this year, and clients bought at both sales. And you know, it's um, you know, in any business, I think if there's competition, it's good. Okay, what did you buy yesterday? Did you did you buy anything that anybody listening to this goes, okay, he sounds like this bloke's not a dimwit, I might get a horse with him. Well, you got any horse I, that we can get a share? I actually, I actually bought a horse that went um, through quite cheap, I felt. It was out of the Australian Broodmare of the Year, Intrude, which is Make Mine Cullen, that family, a very good family, one dam on the page by Vincent. So, you know, he's a horse that um, I thought I could sort of get him. He was only 12000 and they'll look at, you know, putting him back through a ready-to-run sale or selling, selling him as a going horse in, in about six months. Mate, we know the numbers last week for the galloping sales, so the English sale were, were ginormous. For people who are listening to this who don't understand how it works, with the harness racing sales, obviously at the, the gallops, they everything gets scoped, everything gets, or almost everything gets 
Vic checked and x-rayed and all that stuff goes on. Does that happen at the harness racing sales in Australia? Look, this is something I, um, I'm i pretty strong in my opinions with, and I, I think we're behind the times with it. Um, but every horse has the option to get scoped after the sale. Um, and, for instance, there was a horse there yesterday that sold for quite good money. The vendors were extremely happy, but then it passed the scope, uh, it failed the scope immediately after the drop of the hammer. So that sale's now void. Um, if our horses were scoped prior to the sale, that would eliminate things like that happening. And same, you know, with x-raying um, and things like that. Oh, I think it's something that we we probably, um, as an industry, need to be a bit more proactive with and get it happening more. I mean, it's not compulsory to do it in the gallops, but if you don't do it, you sort of get left behind. And, you know, in time to come, I think we would be selling a much cleaner product and it would put a lot more confidence into buyers knowing that, you know, that they're buying a horse that's got a clear throat and, you know, its joints are clear as well. Um, yeah, it's something I believe there should be more of it and, yeah, I'd like to see more of it. You talk about buyer confidence. Nothing worse than when you buy a yearling, you get it up, it runs at two and you can't get a race for it. I'm sure you're an advocate for what Harness Racing New South Wales have done, which is guaranteed two-year-old racing. They're saying, we're going to put these races on and we don't care who, who turns up. We're just going to hold them so at least these trainers have a guarantee that these early season two-year-olds don't just sit in the barn and go to the trials. Yeah, that's that's right, Mick. I mean, the the national rating system has changed our whole dynamics um, of, you know, where to race your two-year-olds. Um, I think it's coming more common that two-year-olds are, are racing the older horses um, because there isn't a lot of two-year-old races program. But, yeah, New South Wales Harness Racing have um, program guaranteed two-year-old races, and if they get six or more acceptances, they're guaranteed to run. So, yeah, that's a great thing, and I believe two-year-olds should race two-year-olds. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's something that all the bodies are twerking with a little bit to, to try and get it right. Mate, people like yourself and uh, and Jared um, aren't scared to take on the older horses. Do you find that a decent two-year-old who's got any real ability would usually clean up a maiden field, at least in its second start, once it's done a bit of learning? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, the, the two-year-olds that, you know, are above average and that they they seem to have no trouble in that lower grade um the the sort of up to 45 grade and they they generally have to draw good in those races um you know there has been causes put in now where they're exempt from some of those races every now and then so but yeah you know jared had one win at newcastle and and on saturday night uh, friday night sorry and then he beat them very comfortable and you know it's probably the way of the future now It, it is sort of what's happening um you know, you, you you sort of push to race the older horses because, you know, there's not a lot of two-year-old races standing up. Mate, we thought that the two-year-old racing early in the season might be quite weak. Well, that's not the case at Menangle tomorrow. We race Menangle afternoons tomorrow. 2.33's race four. It's a heat of the APG Bullion Series. Mate, you've got one in here called Soho Casablanca, but hasn't it landed in nicely? Yeah, um, there's a very strong bunch of uh, babies around at the moment, and yeah, tomorrow is is hard racing, and yeah, we, we've struck a hard race there with him. All right, mate. What sort of chance would you give him? Oh, look, he's um, he's a really nice horse um, that's sort of probably not mentally there yet. He's sort of what he's doing. He doesn't even know know he's doing it. He's a big big colt, and he his mind's probably 
elsewhere at the moment. I think he'll make a, a nicer gelding down the track. But, you know, he'll spot across. He definitely won't disappoint himself. And it'll probably be a telling of, you know, where, where he is against these better class horses. Mate, you've got one of your own that you train and drive in tomorrow called Puma Road. He's looking for the old horse. He does a pretty good job. Um, sometimes he lacks an inch of speed, but he seems to be in a an all right type of race, race three tomorrow, albeit up against horses like Royal Glen Ferry and all cashed up. Yeah, look, he's an honest bugger. He, he's a you know really good little earner. Um, easy horse to be around, easy horse to drive. That's why I'm driving him. Uh, but it's actually a step up in grade for him tomorrow. Um, all cashed up and, you know, even... A horse like Valley SJ drawing the one. It's been racing very good. Um, he'll run an honest race, but yeah, once again, he, he is stepping up in grade there a bit tomorrow. Ricky, when do we see the stable star, Tough Monarch, up and about again? Well, he's actually arrived um, from the spelling farm this afternoon, so he's had five weeks off, and we'll look at sort of setting him. There's a Group 1 trot race in Brisbane in the winter. We'll take him up there, and then obviously he's his main aim at the end of the year. Mate, is he the boss when he turns up to the stables? Does he know he's the best, and does the other horses know he's around? Yeah, yeah. Um, I miss him when he's not here, put it that way. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a lovely old horse now to be around, and, you know, just, just to have a horse of his quality in your stable, and, you know, it makes it a lot easier to get up and work him each day, knowing that he is there. Ricky, he's always good to talk to you, mate. You've got plenty of great thoughts and knowledge around those juvenile horses, and it's good to hear that tough monarch is back at your stables on this afternoon, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. No worries. Thanks for your time, Mick. That's Ricky Elgin. Uh, he was also shopping yesterday at the Nutrien sale down in Melbourne, as was Gene Feast. We also spoke to Josh Gallagher today. He's the man to follow at Newcastle this afternoon. Their meeting kicks off. Nice and early, 1pm kickoff. Odds available on tab.com.au. Hope you enjoyed your harness racing fix here on a Monday morning after the short break. Back with more racing info on Sky Sport.